0: Welcome to Figs and Familia, a podcast that shares stories of the Italian-American experience. This is episode 5 of a series in which I interview my father, Antonio Russo, about his journey to the United States by himself as a child of 10 from Naples, Italy. In this episode, Tony makes his way from Brooklyn, New York, to Portland, Oregon, to live with an uncle whom he has never met. This uncle had heard rumblings that things were tough in Brooklyn, and young Tony was on the verge of being placed into a home for boys. Tony's uncle, also named Tony, blindly sent him a one-way plane ticket to Portland. When Tony arrives in Portland, he meets his uncle and his uncle's young wife and essentially becomes their first child. Tony will now read Chapter 5 from his book Wrestling with the Devil, a story of sacrifice, survival, and triumph from the hills of Naples to the Hall of Fame. Be sure to stay tuned after the chapter to hear my interview with Tony and get more insights into the story.
1: Wrestling with the Devil, Chapter Five, Portland. I wish I could say the plane ride from New York to Portland was uneventful, but nothing could be further from the truth. As airsick as I was, seasick on the SS independence, I was distraught and frightened again. The one difference being the kind ladies looking out for me. They kept attending to me even when we were grounded for the night somewhere in the Midwest because of a snowstorm. When the plane finally touched down in Portland, my energy level picked up, and although I was trudging into the unknown, I was excited to meet the man who had sent for me from all the way across the country. My new lady friends escorted me off the plane, and I began to look around for my uncle. Standing still amidst the hub hub of the terminal, I saw a familiar-faced Italian man next to a light-haired American woman. He was stout, stood about 5'5 five, five, and had a round face and black hair styled in a way I'd become accustomed to seeing, slick straight back. My uncle knew right away who I was. He threw his arms out to, as I approached with my escorts. When I was within reach, he grabbed my shoulders and in a loud booming voice with a thick Italian accent he said, Tony Roos. From that day on, he often addressed me by my first and last name, dropping the O from Russo. I then received the most hugs of my entire life. I was used to kisses on the cheek, but hugs were something new. My uncle hugged me first and then turned and introduced me to his wife, Gladys. She had a soft, kind face with light brown hair touching her shoulders. My new aunt and uncle each took one of my hands and we walked out of the airport together. And Gladys spoke to my uncle in English. I believe she said something like, he seems pretty small for his age, but he's very cute and sweet. I was pretty sure she liked me. When we got outside, it felt as if we were walking right into a misty gray cloud. A cold, wet wind nipped my cheeks and rushed through my hair. My entire body woke up. I could see the green pine trees and shrubs and grassy fields. We loaded my suitcase into the trunk of my uncle's car and headed toward his home. On our drive, Uncle Tony spoke to me in Italian, telling me they had purchased a bed and set up a room for me in the attic. I stretched my neck to watch out the window from the back seat of the car as we sped past farms, orchards, and berry fields. Bobby De Francisco may have been right, I thought. Soon we turned off a busy street onto a narrow road lined with small houses on each side. The car slowed and my uncle turned onto the gravel driveway of my new home, 3327 Southeast 115th Street, Portland, Oregon. The house was small and painted green, like the landscape of my new surroundings. It was encircled by dirt and the yard had no trees or grass or shrubs. As we entered the house, a medium-sized black and white terrier jumped up and put her front paws on my stomach, panning and begging me to pet her. My uncle shouted, oh, No, Trixie, down! Then he turned to me and shaking one hand in the air, he yelled, Trixie is the best dog. She got lost in the flood and two months later he find her. Good as new. He shook his head in disbelief. My uncle mostly spoke to me in full Italian, but he occasionally threw out his sing-song English-Italian verbiage that was hard to follow. I was able to make out that their dog Trixie had been lost in a flood, and somehow they had found her months later. I would learn down the road that my aunt and uncle had lost everything they owned in the Vanport flood, and the only prior to my arrival, were they finally able to purchase another home. And Gladys' parents, my new adopted grandparents, stood in the middle of the room. Grandma and Grandpa Beard were both robust and with smiles they were wearing. I could tell they were happy to meet me. They smothered me with between the two of them and Grandpa Beard gave me my first ever toy a cowboy holster with a shiny silver cap gun. Grazie, I said. I had admiration, turning the gun over in my hands. Then Grandpa Beard motioned for me to come closer. I moved toward him slowly and he proceeded to help me cinch up the holster. Then he placed a cowboy hat on top of my head. You're a real cowboy now, he said and they all let out a huge belly belly laugh. I wore my hat, holster, and gun with pride for the rest of the day. Uncle Tony took me up to the narrow staircase that led to the attic, my new bedroom. We unpacked my suitcase into a small chest of drawers, and my uncle spoke again in his self-composed language. You sleep here, you keep this room clean. See, I said, I promised him, but my mind was reeling at the idea of having my own bed and my own space and it was starting to hit me. This would not be my home. Grandma Beard had cooked a meal of pasta with red sauce and meat. To make you feel at home, she told me. We all sat around the dining room table and Uncle Tony poured everyone a glass of red wine. We ate and drank heartedly. A toast to celebrate your arrival, my new aunt announced, raising her wine glass. Salud, Uncle Tony shouted. Salud, everyone called back to him. They took long drinks from their glasses and it made me smile. I had never felt so welcome in my life. I slept well that night and the next day, my uncle didn't waste any time in showing me how I'd earn my keep. He taught me how to line the garbage can in the kitchen with newspaper and how to take it outside to dump into the large metal can. He also showed me how to clean up after Trixie and told me I'd be helping my aunt with the dishes. After a few days of exploring my new surroundings, playing with Trixie and getting to know my new aunt and uncle, I woke up one morning and could sense that things were going to be different. You are going to start school today, and Gladys announced as she directed me to the car, and we started down the road. I understood the word school, so close to the Italian, scola, and immediately my stomach tied itself into knots. We continued driving and ended up in the parking lot of Powellhurst School and Gladys walked me up the stairs of the giant concrete building and then into the main office where the, she enrolled me in the fifth grade with a teacher named Mr. Wonderlick. My school atten- attendance in Italy had been sporadic and school was a less than successful venture for me in New York. I was not one bit happy about it but in April of 1952 I started school in Portland, Oregon. I had come a long way since leaving my family in Italy nearly a year ago, and now living with my aunt and uncle, I was starting to see a glimmer of hope in this place called America. I thought about my family, and although I had not yet seen my, my trees blossoming with gold, I knew this must be what my mother was talking about. This must be the better way of life my mother wanted for her family. School kept my daily life in Portland going with a sense of stability and regular routine, but I missed my family so terribly. It physically hurt to breathe when they flooded my thoughts. At night before falling asleep, I thought about my mom and dad envisioning them sitting around our table, eating, drinking wine, and laughing with my aunts and uncles. I also wonder what they might be doing and wrestled with conflict, conflicting tho- thoughts. Why am I here living this new life, and you are not, and you are not? I'm beginning to love my new family and life in Portland, but I still love and miss you all. What will happen to me when you get here? I will, we will ever, will we ever get together again? It was confronting for me to play out different versions of what it would be like when we reunited. The smell of red wine and garlic would hit me as my entire family, parents and grandparents alike would walk in the front door of my new Portland home. They would take turns, embracing me and gush over me, telling me how much they had missed me. This scene replayed itself on a loop in my brain, even though I knew the vision of my grandparents together as one was not based in reality. It still gave me chills to picture my grandfather lying still in his casket, thoughts of the man from whom I was named, Antonio Russo the patriarch of the family, the man who cared for me like a father, involved my mind often, but he was gone and losing him left a void in my impossible, which was impossible to fill. As his firstborn grandchild, we had always shared a special bond. We had also shared a home with my grandparents living on the bottom floor of our small flat roof brick and mortar apartment outside of naples my grandfather had a char- characteristic personality and following of all friends many of whom looked to him for advice or help when they were need in needed he was greatly respected in our small town and was known as an honest man with a tough guy edge protecting of his family and those close to him. His personality, could, coupled with his tall, lean stature, thick, dark hair, piercing green eyes, contributed to his popularity. The resemblance between my own father and him was uncanny. My grandfather loved to play rough with me, wrestling around in the small living space of our home, Was that we shared? It was exhilarating, and I used to grab his legs one at a time and with all my might try to take him down. He had such a competitive edge, though, that he'd never let me win. Whenever he would get too rough, my grandmother would raise her voice in protest. Eh, troppo piccolo, stai attento. Be careful, she warned. I was too small to play with that, like that, but I loved every minute of it. We always ended up huffing and puffing and laughing with my grandmother shaking her head at the two of us. E un bruno ragazzo, my grandfather would announce to my grandmother, I was a good boy. See, si, see," si, my grandmother would answer, finally breaking down and laughing in agreement. One summer when I was about four years old and playing around outside, I noticed my cousins and the neighborhood children playing a game of hide and seek. I wanted so badly to be included, but as the youngest of the group, I was mostly invisible to the older children. It happened so fast, a whole lot of them scattered behind our homes and up into the hills that bordered our small piazza. I followed them in my quest to be part of the group and soon found myself alone amidst the rocks and olive trees that covered the rugged hillsides, not a child in sight. Continuing to play in an attempt to convince myself I was not lost, I realized that not only was I alone, but I had also gone too far and was disoriented not knowing in which direction to go. I hid under an olive tree, crouched down with my back pressed against the trunk. My heart raced and my body was frozen still. I stayed in that position for what felt like hours. When dusk settled in and darkness threatened to surround me, panic course through my veins, every thought turning to stories of wild animals living in the hills around our village. In my mind, every sound I heard was either a mountain lion or a large venomous snake. My ears perked up when I heard the earth rustling softly and swiftly nearby. I buried my face in my hands as the sound got louder. It was closing in on me. I was convinced I would soon become the supper of an a- hungry, oversized cat. I closed my eyes t- tightly as the sound sc- sc- uh, sc- escalated, and then I heard it my grandfather's strong, confronting voice. Tino! he hollered, short for Antonio. I looked out from under my hand and tried to respond, but found myself still frozen. Then through the blackness, I saw the dim glow of his small lantern. No, no, I yelled, sono qui. Grandpa, I am here. I sprang to my feet and ran into his arms. I had never held on so tight. All no, no, no said was Mihaya Spivato. Then I had scared him. He never once so- scolded me. Instead, he lifted me above his head, put me on his shoulders, and carried me home down the hill. He swore my tiny bare footprints in the in the saw in the in the sand. His lantern glow of the lantern had let hit to me as I fell asleep that night. I heard Grandma Napi render ranting to my grandfather about how my mother needed to keep a better eye on out for me but in my mother's defense running off my, my by myself and doing my own thing seemed to be an inherited trait of mine returning in my mind to experience with my grandfather the experience with my grandfather was a co- comfort to me in my own Portland surroundings but the final story of my life as as hard as I tried not to let it in would haunt me forever. As I have been told by my father and uncle more times than I can count, the night my grandfather was killed was no different than many others. He had finished his deliveries of wheat and fresh produce to the silos and convents and markets, and. And around the Naples area and then stopped off at a local bar for a drink of his favorite red wine. Like many times before, a game of cards ensued. In attendance that evening was a local man by the name of Salvatore Biancamano, known as about the town as a loudmouth and a cheat. He even had the look of a large rat with his thin wiry must- mustache, nervous voice, and twitchy body. My grandfather had won a sizable amount of money and had collected from all except from Biancamano. Fed up with his man's games and knowing he would, wasn't going to pay up, my grandfather reached across the table and grabbed Biancomano by the throat with a trembling hand squeezing tightly under his jaw so as to terminate the man's breath. My grandfather lifted him off of the ground and held him up with one arm. The man in attendance was watched, in attendance watched in awe, silence. Holding Biancomano up and looking into his eyes with a deep-seated contempt, my grandfather shouted, To, to Robbie Dalla famiglia and Dalla Amici, Vate and non Return the Pew. You steal from your family and your friends. Get out of here and don't come re, come back. Don't return. Upon being released, Biancomano dropped to the ground. Humiliated, he grabbed his throat and fled the scene. Wheezing and sucking in air and stumbling out the front door of the bar, so focused in the moment during this altercation my grandfather didn't even hear the boisterous cheers that rose up from the group as this despicable man vanished from the building. En umbroglione, my grandfather sang out as the man settled back onto the card game. He's a cheat. The game continued quietly for about an hour until Mana returned. He nervously walked into the front of the door with a, ra- a grazed look in his eyes and beads of sweat dripping off his forehead. Everyone froze and all eyes watched as he walked with an unsteady gait across the room and approached the table. He positioned himself sit- right next to my grandfather. As my grandfather pushed his chair from the table and stood up to face him, Toward over, he twa- towered over the rat-like waif of a man, in a mad flurry, Biancamano pulled a large butcher knife and stabbed my grandfather square in the gut while muttering, Tu poi perfamida contro salvare Biancomano. You will pay for humiliating Salvatore Blancamano. Leaving the knife buried deep, Biancamano ran, and everyone scattered except my father and uncles. As my grandfather collapsed to the ground, they helped him up, removed the knife, and used their own shirts to cover his wound. My grandfather stumbled outside, hunched over, holding it, his stomach tight. Making his way to the wagon, my father and uncle lifted him into the back and laid him down. Quel well, uno mon vivo. That man does not escape with his life," my father shouted. "These instructions: chase Biancamano down." I had been as- asleep and woke to the screams and chaos when they arrived home. The scene was terrifying. The sight of my grandfather being covered in sheets, and as he lay in the middle of our table, was more than I could bear. Che cosa succeso? No, no. I yelled out to my aunts and uncles, who ran past me, if I didn't not e- like I did not exist. What happened to my grandfather? No one answered. They were trying to stop the bleeding, but he had already lost too much blood. I stood there alone and helpless amidst the bedlam and watched in horror, listening to the cries from the women and wails from the from my grandmother and my grandfather bled to death the entire town mourned the loss of my grandfather antonio russo and all were in attendance as, at his funeral this would be the first time i can remember wearing a pair of shoes and i hated that those shoes because of the meaning they held for years to come i knew that my father uncles and their loyal friends were on the lookout for Biancomano, and I knew without a doubt any one of them would have killed him given the chance. From that fateful day on, nobody in town ever saw or heard from that man again. Several different stories circulated about him. One was that he had been jailed for another crime in a neighboring town and went up for parole begged to stay locked up knowing he was a marked man but maybe he fled the country or had been killed f- for pulling the same schemes antics somewhere else because my father would never speak of whether or not he was ever able to locate Biancomano it will forever remain a mystery and I will always wonder if my father ever avenged my grandfather's death. Thinking about my grandfather through thought thought back brought back memories of my life in Italy with a grievance and even vengeance and even though I tried to I occasionally asked Uncle Tony about my family. he had gotten a few sporadic letters and phone calls together, their status and whereabouts my for my mother could not read or write, so I knew that the letters had been written by my father. I thought of my family I had left behind, and the time and then that time, and then the day while I was in the backyard throwing a stick for Trixie, my Uncle Tony had been on the phone for some, some time. I sensed he a heightened tension, but didn't know why. He called me into the front to inform me outside and spoke in full Italian this time. La mamma è qui. My mom has arrived. Chills shot up my spine. Quando la posso vedere? I wanted to know when I could see her. This question seemed to anger my uncle, and he threw his arms up in the air and yelled, No, non la vede ancora. Lai va lavora al restaurando del Zio Miguel in Arizona. She was going to work in Uncle Mike's restaurant in Arizona and I would not be able to see her. He explained that shortly after I had arrived in Portland, my Uncle Mike had moved to New York, had moved from New York to Arizona and opened up an Italian restaurant in Tucson. My dad, bro, my dad, bro, brother and sister were still in Italy, and my mom, knowing she could earn money in the states, was trying to stockpile enough so that they, when they the rest of them arrived, they would be able to make an easier time of it. Knowing my mother was so close yet so far away and that I still could not see her didn't make any sense to me. It was heartbreaking. In the end, she didn't make any money working with Uncle Mike. His restaurant did not do well, and he ended up paying her way back to New York. She was penniless. Meanwhile, at school was, as school was becoming increasingly more difficult for me, Although I could sham my way through many lessons, the language gap was a hindrance that made for misunderstandings with other children. I developed a defensive edge and an attitude that was finding myself in physical altercations. Physically was natural for me. Having learned to wrestle and fight for my grandfather at a young age, I knew I could handle my Self against anyone and that was how I began to defend, define myself in school. It is also what happened to me shaking off some of the demons. The stress I was dealing with and such a being, such being separated from my family and struggling with English, but my behavior only brought more problems. One evening I remember a knock at the door and was shocked to see my a man from my school dressed in a suit and tie standing there in our doorway i had seen him man, this man before on occasion in the school office and sometimes in the halls he scared me we made eye contact and i froze what was he doing here i i didn't think teachers were supposed to leave their school buildings my aunt and uncle welcomed him in while I bolted up the stairs to my bedroom I wanted so badly to hear what was going on that then I lay my that I laid my on my stomach and laid my ear pressed against the floor I heard murmurs but could not make out any single word I finally heard the door shut and Aunt Gladys called me downstairs into the living room. Uncle Tony stood up to the side as if unsure of what to think while my aunt did the talking. Your principal says you're being you're you've been fighting at school. I nodded. He says you're not learning English well enough to complete your school work properly. I nodded again. You're not learning to read, he says, and yell and your spelling is bad. She continued, looking at me sternly. I just nodded again. I already knew my aunt didn't like it when my uncle and I had full conversations in Italian without including her. She hated it so much she was picking up Italian quickly so she wouldn't be left out. Then she said something completely shocking. Pointing her finger and staring me hard into the face to the face she said that's it from now on at home you will speak only english i looked over at my uncle he struggled he shrugged his shoulders his shoulders and nodded his head and eyes i couldn't believe it but i agreed to try to to behave better at school i promised to try harder to sound out the english words but of of Part of me felt angry and confused that this was happening but mostly I was surprised that this man had ventured outside of the school walls and shown up at my house. Uncle Tony was always full of big ideas and he had huge plans for me and my future. He often talked about my career as a doctor make us so much money he'd say to me. Then switching gears down the road he decided I needed according lessons because I might just be an upcoming Dick Contino. Money was extremely important to my uncle and he often had more, more more than one job. At one point he worked as a short order cook for fishermen which took him to Alaska for months at a time. You will help your aunt at while I'm a gone. He had spit out while holding me by both shoulders and nodding his head hard. I knew his absence was difficult for my aunt and I did try to help her out around the house, but we still managed to have fun while we while he was off working, creating our own daily rituals. While he was gone and Gladys would make popcorn, let set up board games and then send me to the gas station on the corner of 115th and Powell to buy a 10 to buy 10 cent Cokes. Each time I put in a dime and pulled out an ice cold Coke out of the machine. It was like winning a prize. And I usually had enough money to do it four times over. I'd wrap up my arms, wrap them into my arms, the glass bottles, and run as fast as I could the, the couple of blocks that from home to play games, eat, eat popcorn and drink Coke with my aunt. Other days, we walk to a, a market called Holgate Farms, halfway between our house and Grandma Beard's. We'd meet Grandma Beard at the market buy food for dinner and then walk to Grandma's where we'd sit down and eat together. One time I was given the privilege of carrying the wa- the watermelon home from the market. I had made it nearly the whole mile all the way to the sidewalk in front of Grandma Beard's house. Before dropping it, it hit the ground and splattered into pieces. What in the world? And Gladys shouted. You're 10 feet from the front door. I stared at the carnage on the sidewalk in front of me, and as much as I loved that fruit, this would be the second time in my life I would incur punishment by watermelon. After one of my uncle's Alaska stints, he had money and went right out and bought me a brand new shiny Red Schwinn bicycle with thick, white sidewall tires. I was crazy about my new bike, and I rode it up and down our street and all over the neighborhood. After a week of breaking it in, I was riding around on the street and started to get an itch to go fast. So I decided to see just how fast I could go by making new, my, by, my bike move. I rode down to the end of our street, stopped at the corner, and then turned the bike around, facing the direction of our home. I grabbed the handlebars, le- leaned forward, and started pedaling madly. I kept pushing faster and faster until the pedals were spinning my legs instead of my legs spinning the pedals. As I got closer to the our ha- house, I realized I was completely out of control and wasn't sure what to do. If I continued straight ahead I'd end up riding right out onto Powell Boulevard. Not a, a wise decision. I was also afraid to hit the brakes hard because I didn't want to fly over the top of the handlebars. So I approached our driveway. As I approached I was made a split second decision to turn the handlebars sharply into the right to the right I miscalculated and turned just before the driveway. The tires slipped, the bike flew out from under me, and with no way to stop myself, I was catapulted through the air. I hit the ground with a thud and dug a trench with my face right down the middle of my uncle's freshly planted lawn. With new, new trees and shrubs, my uncle's yard had become his sanctuary, and I knew this would be consider- considered a major offense. I lay there, afraid to move, until I heard my aunt come running out the front door. I stood up slowly, my face caked in dirt, t- to see Uncle Tony so furious he couldn't speak. He was holding a shovel into it- on one hand and the hand the other had on his head at the trying to figure out what's going on. His lips were pursed so tightly and his face was escalated so deep, shaded of red. I wasn't sure if he was breathing. My aunt had seen everything through the front window and again, Uncle Tony let her do the talking. Her voice was fading in and out, and I was trying hard to listen. I made out phrases like, be more careful, and think before you act, and pay attention. But I was holding back an uncontrollable urge to spit, and all I could think about was getting the grit out of my teeth. Needless to say, I wasn't sure if I'd ever see my bike again. You won't see the the likes of that bike for one full week, my aunt yelled, and Uncle Tony concurred. Solving that mystery, I was so happy that I was only going to lose my bike for a week. I nearly smiled, but thought the better of it.
0: All right. We just listened to chapter five. You just um, flew across the country, um, got off the plane in Portland, Oregon, to an aunt and uncle that you had never met. Um, can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah, I can. Um, got off the uh, United Airlines um Uh, Actually, uh, you know, uh, in those days you got off on the ground on the uh, asphalt, you know, down the steps, down the. uh, Right. And uh, as I was walking down the steps, actually, uh, uh, you know, the ladies helped me out, the the stewardesses and Mm -hmm, stuff. The
0: attendants, yeah. Yeah, the attendants
1: did a really good job with me. um, And uh, as I you know uh it was the old airport it was in, in, you know nineteen what was it nineteen fifty one It would have been probably nineteen fifty two
0: so before Portland had a fancy
1: airport <laughs> it wasn't fancy no <laughs> it was <laughs> a lot of farmland all around it, you know that's what I remember wow, uh, yeah, but uh as I looked up as I stepped down from the uh uh you know onto the asphalt, walking toward uh uh, these attendants walking me toward uh, the doorway um right I, and right as uh i approached the doorway uh my uncle and aunt um uh w- stepped out on you know to greet me wow. and uh, uh it was obvious that uh my uncle looked a lot like uh, the casorios you know uh-huh. short, stocky um Round faced, uh, uh, you know, robust type of guy, and
0: right, the hair uh, slipped and back. He, and, yeah, yeah, he was.
1: He wasn't real tall. He he was a Casorio, you know. Right, uh, right. In in their family, and uh, right next to him is a blonde, uh, really nice looking lady. Yeah, uh, this was his wife.
0: Your aunt Gladys. Aunt right?
1: Gladys, yeah, yeah. And they greeted me and uh you know i was i was excited actually to see him yeah because i had never seen him before you know right uh, and uh i in fact i didn't know where even that he existed you know that's just yeah. amazing so yeah they um they embraced me actually and um the next thing i know is uh, i go in and grab my suitcase and uh, you know, Uncle Tony, um, uh, he uh, he called me by my name, my first and last name, all the time. That's uh, uh, that was crazy, but I wasn't used to it, you know.
0: Right, but maybe to differentiate you from other Tonys, you yeah, were Tony uh, Bruce. Yeah, he called
1: yeah. me Tony Bruce. You know, <laughs> shorting right. everything up and yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, he said, "Get get our bags, and uh, we're gonna, you know, head home." Yeah. And I was excited about it. Really, I, did, I I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, "Wow, this is like where what I'm used to." You know, the hillsides, uh, the the land I left. It was there was a really uh, a beautiful area here. You know.
0: Yeah, and, you um, described...
1: And I, I reflect back to Bobby De Francisco. That's exactly what he told yeah. me. He said, you're going to see a lot of green. You're going to see the uh, water. You know, we flew over the Columbia River. It, wow. It, and uh, it truly was beautiful, you know, to me. Right, right. So I felt comfortable.
0: Yeah, you talked about driving from the airport and just passing berry fields and orchards and farmland. right
1: yeah Uh, that's what it was in those mm -hmm. days farmland uh, uh, ironically I you know the the airports located where when I was in high school we met uh, um, the volcanoes Uh ironically I worked on that farm right next to the airport and uh, you know I I never knew that was going to happen but but any, right. in any case, uh, looking at outside the the car as we were driving, I was just, I was just, uh, you know, in awe of how pretty it was.
0: You liked what you were seeing. Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot now. That is for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah definitely
1: changed. changed. Yeah. yeah,
0: so different. So you got it. The thing that gets me is that they were this young couple that didn't have any kids and basically in essence you were their first child
1: (laughs) well that's exactly what was going through my mind you know wow yeah Um, they were married uh she was very young you know pretty young and uh my uncle was a a little older you know older than my aunt right and um uh, i think she was really excited to have uh, a child there you know
0: join the family yeah the family
1: you know right and uh yeah they um uh, we got they they lived on uh, uh, southeast 115th it was right. a rural you know it was more of a open area where um there wasn't a lot of homes there yet but Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you knew this, but uh, prior to me, get coming to Oregon, they had lost everything in the Vanport flood. Yeah, Uh, they lost their home. They lost their belongings. uh, They even lost their dog, Trixie, uh, which was found months, months later. You know, they
0: found her. She made her way. Somebody
1: found her. And uh, they had lost everything and my uncle was able to get a loan uh, somehow to purchase this place uh, on 115th, right off Powell, Powell, you know.
0: Right before you basically you got there. Well, I had done some, a little bit of research on the Vanport flood um, because it's really interesting. I guess the homes there in Vanport were built for the people who worked at the shipyards and their families. Yeah. So that would have been Uncle Tony, what he was doing at that time.
1: Yeah, he, he, were, he mm-hmm. worked as a, uh, a welder and a, a metal fab fabrication right. person. And so, you know, that's where they lived. And they, uh, at, those homes were built for those people that came in yeah. and worked. Yeah in those factories, you know.
0: Yeah, and the flood completely wiped out it wiped it wiped, wiped Vanport out completely. Yeah,
1: well, it wiped yeah. the whole city out. Um uh, yeah uh and so they were devastated, you know.
0: Right, it's, right, along with a lot of were, other people. Yeah. Along with fast.
1: everybody else, yeah, that lived there. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, um that that was the scenario of, of uh, their, you know, their new start on uh, Southeast Portland, uh, of course, the home was just there. It, it it didn't have a yard. It didn't have a yard yet. It it had ground, but it didn't have a driveway, you know, didn't have a garage. Uh, right. Uh, my uncle, that came later for him, you know, he was, putting he was things together on it. Yeah. Stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, he set you up in a room, and then very soon, Aunt Gladys enrolled you in school at Palhurst School. Yeah. Um,
1: you know what happened when I got there? Uh, my aunt's mother and father, Grover Beard and and Doris Beard. Okay. okay they kind of became my uh, grandparents. You know. <laughs> Right, uh, right. The, first, the, only, the, the thing I remember that just sticks out in my mind, uh, um, uh, Mr. Beard, uh, uh, Grandpa Beard was huge. He was a big guy. Okay. And he uh, reminded me of, of those Western movies I watch. You know, he, he, he dressed like that, you know. Okay, yeah. he called yeah. me over and he had a present for me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know yeah. if you remember. Maybe uh, we talked about In it a little bit. But yeah, I, I, my first present was a, uh, uh, a holster, a, 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 you know, uh, with a, and a, cap, and a gun cap gun and a holster or, yeah. and like Hopalong Cassidy had, you know, and <laughs> and uh, Give right. Me a Cowboy hat, And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean,
0: <laughs> it must have been like that. That wasn't something that happened
1: in Italy. No, no toys, no, gifts, no, that kind no, of thing. No, that didn't happen there. No, but yeah, in New York, you know, I watched some of those old uh, Hopalong Cassidy movies and that kind of stuff. And but they had TV. They we didn't have TV when I came out here. There was no TV
0: out uh, west here.
1: Yeah, in, in Uncle right. Tony's home or or Grandpa Beard. Grandpa Beard got the first one in the family. (laughs) He he put (laughs) one together, you know, with the antenna on the roof and that kind of thing. Um, Right. Later on, as as it became, as they moved out where the TV moved out here, you know, but I I got excited about that cap gun and the holster and the whole. Uh, you know everything I mean the sweater
0: <laughs> yeah there's a picture of you the sweater even has uh, a like a there, fucking bronco remember, on it yeah yeah
1: that was exciting <laughs> for me it was exciting right it, you know what it did it sent a message in my heart and my mind that these people you know they they, they they're accepting me they they right. they're uh they're taking me in you know and, yeah. Uh, that was a good feeling for me, Tanya.
0: Right. They were making a place right. for you. Right, right. Yeah, and you talked about you um, even though you had yet to see any gold lining the streets or the trees, you were feeling uh, I, in Portland like this might be the yeah, thing then, your then mom this, was talking yeah, about. Yeah, I thought in my mind mm-hmm. this is
1: what my mom was talking about, you know. Right. Uh, right. And that it was Uh, it was people you have to understand there was no agenda or no 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 itinerary for me that I am going to stay with these certain people and live there until they got there was nothing I was just I was just gone they just wanted to get me here and right and and, uh, and somehow some way they would find their way over here because I was here you know
0: Right, right. Wow, what a just
1: absolutely risky
0: plan. But so tell us a little bit about school. I find this part so interesting, (laughs) um, partly because I'm a teacher, but you get enrolled in the fifth grade, you can't speak English, you know, you're this little kid. Um, uh, and what happens there? There's, there's a part where the principal actually visits your home. Yeah,
1: you know, um, you know, I got, I get shivers I, when I, school was not <laughs> my favorite. It, it wasn't in my repertoire of, of, <laughs> of the things that I liked most, you know, I didn't know right. much about it. It it was, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in Italy, it was hit and miss. And then in New York, it was uh, virtually uh, not much at all. And my aunt enrolled me, uh, uh, took me to her school. Uh, She actually didn't have to show any papers. I think the principal asked her about, or the secretary asked her about the uh, guardianship and that kind of thing. And she explained the whole situation to her, you know. I was standing okay. there. I didn't understand anything, but I think that's what went right. on. And so. And they uh, didn't. Yeah, they uh,
0: weren't uh, worried about paperwork. Yeah, yeah. I got, okay. I uh, to
1: Powell, her School on 122nd. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, uh, I was really nervous. I was really kind of uh, antsy, you know. But yeah. she enrolled me in the fifth grade. And <laughs> uh, Mr. Wonderlick was our teacher. Uh, yeah. they didn't have special you know like to, it, it wasn't like today where they have special programs for kids that are you know um, not speaking the English, English is, speaking right. and you know they didn't have that so I'm no. in a classroom full of kids and uh, Mr. wonderlick you know he was a, an excellent teacher and it's going on yeah. and on, and I I knew some I knew some numbers when he did the numbers, you know math, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but you know stuff like grammar and and uh, language and and reading. Uh, uh, it, for me, it w- it was re- very difficult. It, it was really really hard.
0: And you must have struggled with spelling quite a bit,
1: because yeah, well, my spelling Italian. is still atrocious <laughs> uh, to this day, <laughs> but I, I can I can spell things out pretty well now. But and those in, yeah. in, in, at, at that particular time, it was I'm telling you that it it was rough. Um, I, yeah, I I enjoyed. Um, uh, I mean, school. You know, I I got the I got in the groove there. But the, mm-hmm. the thing I enjoyed most was going out to recess and pounding around and playing dodgeball and <laughs> and uh, right. in the gym, you know, rolling around on the mats on on uh, days it rained and uh going at it with some kids. That ba- basketball when you know that kind of stuff. That, that was yeah, my being more stuff right there. Yeah,
0: playing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just love the part in the story where the principal talks to your aunt and, and then she passes a message
1: on to you. Do you remember uh, that? About uh, me speaking English for me.
0: <laughs> right. Well, here, right? Yeah,
1: here's what happened. Um, I was struggling. Um, I was struggling because uh, I really didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't catch on language was tough. Uh, reading was tough. And, um, so Mr. Wonderlich um um uh, I think he made it a point to talk to the principal about me getting help. Okay. Okay. Yeah, wow. that's what I think yeah. happened. So mm-hmm. the next thing I know, the principal um uh, uh, showed up at the house and I'm nervous wow. and I'll get out. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> right. Two things. One was I wasn't a model student. I I got into scrapes, like I told you, Uh, you know, trying to wrestle and stuff like that. And I had a chip on my shoulder because I don't think I don't think kids made fun of me. I just was nervous. I was uh, tense because I couldn't, you know, communicate that way. Yeah, you didn't understand Right. Right. And so he shows up and the first thing he tells her is, you know, that I do not, I need to learn how to get better at speaking and, and writing and reading. And so, right. And then she all, he also told her that I've been, you know, not real good with other kids, you know, at times, uh, oh, you know, that I was,
0: <laughs>
1: I was, you, you know, yeah. kind of boisterous and that kind of thing. And they they like right. that. Anyway, when after he left, <laughs> uh, she sat me down and pointed her finger. She said, "You know what?" And my uncle was there too. Um, yeah, you're gonna be speaking only English in this house. And <laughs> no more talking Italian. But but you oh, know she goodness. picked up some Italian words too from from me and my uncle. We, right, we spoke together all the time. Right.
0: And yeah so she put yeah. an end
1: to that so it was time to speak yeah, English she now put an end to that and, wow uh, so we we i did i kind of you know I had to follow the rule, you know what i mean right yeah, <laughs>
0: I'm sure that helped you learn i mean she kind of forced the issue of you learning right. english and you yeah know
1: then, uh, um, you, know, you know other things happen like uh you know i heard- um I don't know, but here's the deal. I'm my uncle showed me where I was going to be sleeping, upstairs in the attic, right? Yeah. And yeah, that that was great for me. I had a room of my own, and they bought me a bed, and you know, and a chest of drawers, that kind of stuff. Uh, it, yeah. It was wonderful. And uh, uh, but you know, I kind of right away, my aunt and my uncle set down some rules for me. That I had to, you know, really on okay. my keep. Actually, I had chores, yeah. and I couldn't abandon okay, them yeah. because my aunt wouldn't and my uncle wouldn't let me abandon, you know, the chores I had to do. The first chore was uh, right. I had to line the garbage can, empty the garbage can, and learn and learn how to line it. Those days it was okay. newspaper. You didn't slip a you bag. down newspaper. there. It was uh, line newspaper okay. all the way around it. And then put it under, you know, put it under the sink. After I took it out to the big trash can, and that was my job. When that thing got full, the other job I had was always help with the dishes. Always. Okay. I had to help with the dishes all the time, every time. And then my other job was that I had to take care of the, not not just Trixie, you know, after they found her, Trixie would love me she jumped we'd she retrieved <laughs> sticks all day long i played with her you know but uh, my aunt got yeah. into raising some other dogs my uncle built a little kennel out in back and uh-huh. they had border collies my aunt got the and you know show dogs you know what i mean yeah wow, okay so that was my so you helped job. take had care had of the dogs take care of um uh, of the um uh, the kennels, you know, and, and right, then right. Uh, I wanted, <laughs> I wanted some rabbits. I, I wanted something, all, you know, in the back. So my uncle built a little rabbit hutch. Yeah. Oh, and cool. so, so you uh, had some, we bought uh, rabbits and I took care of them too. So, that, that's, so those you had some basically I had to do chores every single day. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, that's similar to what you did, you know, on
1: your farmland Right. in right, Italy. Right.
0: You work, you know, so we so kind you know of what
1: used I mean? to that. Uh, yeah. 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 Rabbits and Trixie, and you know, uh, right. That, that was kind of fun. And helping. Yeah. With...
0: yeah. So, let's. Um, think back now. So when you left Italy, you said something, you said, I'm not going to think about this now, which was leaving your grandparents, but you were actually leaving one who had been murdered, your grandpa Russo. And now you're thinking about that because you're remembering your family, even though you're in this new, wonderful environment and family, you still think about them. And this memory comes flooding back to you of when he was killed. And it's just the craziest story um, about him. So he was, he, he helped take care of you. He found you when you got lost in the hills. Um, And, you know, wrestled with you and all of that. Can you tell us about the murder? What do you know about that?
1: All I know is that, um, My, my grandpa was a gambler and, and uh, they, when him and my dad, they delivered goods, flowers and, and produce and stuff to different areas, you know, for uh, the market and the convents. And they would, uh, my grandpa always would like, would like to stop at a tavern, you know, to go in, especially in our local area uh, roca you know there was uh, there was some, yeah some good ones there and everybody knew them everybody knew my grandpa he was he was uh, well known you know and and then my dad got that reputation too as as his son but but uh they would stop and play cards gamble you know uh, and right, uh, right. drink wine and that kind of stuff. That's what I, you know, what I remember my dad telling me. But uh, anyway, he was knifed, you know, by this person who, um, uh,
0: yeah, and just to tell people, the name is changed in yeah, the book. Even and, though know, um, we we give the guy a name, but what's crazy is he was never, as far as you know, he he didn't go to jail well, for the murder. As of your far grandpa. as
1: I know, what I find out later is he was never heard of again. So <laughs> I I'm not going. Wow. You know I'm not going to speculate there. But here's the scenario. Okay, yeah, you know, I see what you're saying. He was never heard in, from again. In Indiana, so. uh, you know, on yeah. my bed at night, I'm by myself, right? I mean, and so, and right. uh, oftentimes uh, the thoughts go through my head, uh, forehead sweating, you know, and uh, seeing my grandfather right. on that table with those white sheets. Yeah. Those, my grandmother was hysterical and my mom Ugh. and, you know... And, uh, I I mean I I couldn't. That's traumatic. Yeah, yeah. it was so difficult for me because here, yeah, yeah, you know this this man was huge, was big. He was big, bigger maybe bigger than my dad, and yeah, and, wow. And he found me. I was lost up in the hills, and uh, I was crouched down under a tree, and he tracked me down, and did find me, and.
0: Uh, yeah, I love that story. It says he, he followed.
1: Basically, you were playing yeah, with I was the playing kids. With, I wanted to play yeah, with they, those kids, but they abandoned yeah. me. You know, They didn't even know I was around. Uh, they were older. Right, because they, they were, were older. They were like crazy. Yeah. They knew the area. I didn't. And so I run up into the hills, and before I know it, I'm I'm lost. I'm disoriented. Yeah. And, I yeah, I yeah. squat down under a tree, and here we go. with. It's getting late at night almost. <laughs> Not quite dark. Now it's dark. I hear this rustling, and and uh, I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm being, I'm going to be eaten up by a mountain lion <laughs> or something. But then all of a sudden I right. hear him yell out my name, you know, and then I yeah, I told him, and, no, no, you know, I'm here. <laughs> and then he, he yeah, ran over and grabbed me, and put me on his shoulders, and took me down the mountain, you know, and. Uh, yeah, and
0: I love the part that he wasn't no, mad. He, he just you know, said you scared
1: him. His but... personality and my dad's personality. Well, you know, grandpa's, grandpa's. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah. you know, they were calm people. They only got riled up right. when something endangered their people, you know, their, their family. Their or, loved or, ones. You know,
0: or Yeah, right, right, you know, right. You know
1: that. And so my grandpa was just the same way. But you know, we wrestled around. Wow. we Yeah. <laughs> we scuffled. You know, he threw me around. I mean, he was he was big, but um, I, I loved every minute of it. And of course, my my grandma right. Moppy, she would get kind of upset at him because he whacked me around. You know, he <laughs> knocked me down. But that's how they were. That's how he That's how they were. I think that's what in uh, yeah. got into my blood. You know. <laughs>
0: The wrestling. I was gonna say that's some foreshadowing into your later career yeah, in wrestling. And, and yeah, fighting
1: wow. and that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't know. I mean, right. You were physical. It was in maybe ingrained yep. in me a, a little bit more than it should have been. But anyway, um, yeah, right. Th- that that, that well, that's the thing. That that was that was a devastating trauma for me, and uh, and right. I still think back to this day. You know me with him and my grandma and, uh, also, um, you know, the che- we sit and roast chestnuts together. And then later on, when we moved to Chichano, you know, every morning we go with grandpa Giuseppe and the, and the wagon and to the farm, you know, to, yeah. um, right. yeah. but, but those, you know, I remember those days. I mean, it was, it was just wonderful, except for that horrible experience with, my grandpa Russo.
0: Yeah. And it's now you're kind of in this place where you're conflicted because you've got this new great home, but you still don't have your family. And so you're grappling with that in your head a lot and trying to kind of come to terms with yeah, that.
1: That's That's, that was, that's a hard thing with me. Uh, it came, you know, uh, Like I said, there were times when you're by yourself and you start thinking, but then I thought the other way too. Here, I got some people here that really do love me. They care for me. Uh, You know, um, I never thought I I would, you know, from the get go, when I hit New York, I never thought that would happen. I didn't know where I was going to be, but yeah, they cared for me and it, it is a new family. And then my family and I was torn, you know what i mean uh in, right in Italy, and was wondering when and if we can ever get together again and um uh, yeah, but in the meantime i was I was really fortunate and very lucky to have these people in Oregon uh, take me in the way they they did as their own child, yeah, take
0: care of you, yeah that's amazing. So there's kind of a funny part, um, in the, in this chapter where you talk about, um, so uncle Tony would work in Alaska yep. sometimes, yes. and you would, um, hang out with aunt Gladys. And one of the things you said you would do is you would walk to grandma yep. Beard's house, and you would stop at Holgate. Holgate was it Holgate Farms? Farms? was a big
1: uh, market. Grocery market, meat okay, market. Okay, and you you'd know. meet yeah.
0: Grandma Beard. Yeah. And you'd buy food for dinner, and you got to carry the watermelon home.
1: <laughs> I did. Another watermelon. <laughs>
0: what is it with you yeah, and watermelon? So I couldn't
1: believe it. But anyway, what what?
0: So you got almost Tanya there. And my
1: uncle was strapped. They were strapped for money, like I said. You know, they... They lost everything right. in the flood, and then uh, he would go with Mr. Aslin. Uh, Mr. Aslan was a, a head chef, and my uncle w- ate, uh, was his assistant as a uh, it was a, okay. a, a um, short order cook type guy. And they made a right. know, to go. To, they okay. went to Alaska and made quite a bit of you know they made good salary, good money, and uh, he was gone for. Did a month. they they worked What's on the that?
0: fishing boats? They worked on the fishing no, boats, what was No, they, cooking, they in, was a that? Cafe, no.
1: in a cafe. In a, a Kenai. Oh, oh just in, in a it cafe. Was Kenai. It was a, a, oh. a home base, you know, for the fishermen when they came okay, in, okay. restaurant-type oh, deal. Oh, gotcha. Leonard was the head guy, and my uncle was an assistant. And they made good money okay. in those days. And he was gone for right. a, a couple months at a time, maybe. and And my aunt and I would be home by ourselves. And... Uh, entertained me. She would. We played games. You know, I don't know checkers. You know, whatever <laughs> she could muster up. Sent me to the corner. Board down games. Yeah. The gas station on the corner, and it, it had one of those old Coke <laughs> machines. You know, I don't know. They don't have them anymore. Okay. They were a dime. And right. You put a dime in, and they their little Coke bottles were in a hole. Right. You pull it out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so. We drank when I got the Cokes, went home and popcorn and we played checkers and played some other games and and that kind of thing. And yeah. And, and then when Aunt we went to yeah. Grandma Beard's, it was um, um, it was uh, about a, you know, a mile. It was in the Lentz district. Grandma and Grandpa Beard okay. lived in the Lentz district. But in between was uh, Holgate okay. Farms on Holgate Street. Um, which wasn't real far from grandma's. So we walked over there and, uh, they shopped. they got all this stuff and, um, um, they, I talked my aunt into buying a watermelon, right? <laughs> I love <watermelons>, but, <laughs> your favorite uh, treat. Anyway, yeah. we walked to grandma Beard's house. They lived on Libby street right off, um, uh, okay. uh, by Lentz park. And, uh, I got to the front door. It was kind of a, um, up, uh, the driveway <laughs> was kind of a steeper, you know, up and uh, hilly, you know, not real hilly, but uh, there was a steep right. driveway and, um, uh, I got to the steps and I can't believe it. I, I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I tripped around my arms. Just that thing just fell down and it just smashed in the, all kinds Splattered. of pieces. Oh. We saved some. I oh, ate some of goodness. it. But my aunt looked down and she shook yeah. her head. <laughs> she was just like, oh, what in the said, world? What are, you, what are you doing? What is it she with was the watermelon? Was That's mad. funny. She, she was mad because I <laughs> well, did that. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, right. <laughs> she scolded me a little bit, but... <laughs> In any case, uh, that was yeah. my second go around with watermelons
0: <laughs> punishment by watermelon, yeah, exactly all right well yeah there was there's a lot of there's a lot of stories and information in Chapter Five. we could even keep talking, but um I think we'll go ahead and yeah. stop now, and we look forward to hearing more yeah. in chapter yeah, six and we'll we'll talk to you yeah,
1: about that soon. Absolutely. That was uh, that's fun. You bet.
0: Thank you so much for listening to our podcast Figs and Familia. If you have a message or a question for myself or Tony, please go to our podcast homepage and leave us a voice message. We'd love to play your question on the air. Or you can email us at figsandfamilia at gmail.com. We'd also love it if you subscribe to our podcast on your favorite listening platform. Looking forward to next week. Thanks everyone. Ciao.